Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. My name is Grant. I'm Amanda. And we are here to get the service started for you. Yes, and if you're new, we'd love to hear from you. So you can reach out to us at hello at cedarvalley.ca or just comment below and let us know that you're watching so we know that you're here. And for everybody joining in, one of the best ways to stay informed about some of the stuff happening, uh, what's coming up in the fall, some different ways that we connect and do ministry throughout the weeks, devotional posts, just lots of really good content. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, or uh, even head over to our website, cedarvalley.ca, and sign up for our weekly email newsletter where we just kind of compile some of that stuff out and send it out on Fridays just to keep everyone on the same page of what's going on throughout the between the Sundays, right? Yep. There's lots of stuff going on. There's so. lots of stuff online to help keep you organized and informed, so it's great. And also, if you've been impacted and you've really enjoyed our services online, we'd love for you to share it with your family and friends. So just click that share button. Looks like these guys. Yeah, um, or one of the many other share button exactly. variations. <laughs> share our service because we'd love for this to impact other people as well. Totally. Super easy way to invite someone to church, right? Just yeah. boop, Seriously. it's on your Facebook page yeah. and it goes. Even people that you're not even necessarily trying to, if you just share it, it's there. Totally. Actually, every time, I, I see, it's fun, we get to see the stats. Every time, if somebody hits that share button, our uh, views typically boost up by about 10 different like new viewers. So it makes an impact. That's yeah. really cool that yeah. you can like track that stuff <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's there. The invite is huge. Uh, just as a note too, for Sunday mornings, um, for those of you who might not know, we are online, but every single Sunday we have online and on-campus services. And just over this summer, as we're rebuilding our service teams, everything from like what's going on for worship, our kids ministries, just greeting teams, stuff like that. We're doing a mix of video stuff. So if you're here on campus this morning, we're on a video screen this morning. Uh, some other weeks we'll be doing stuff that's live when we have the teams available. And really this is actually just an invite and a reminder that we would love for all of you to get involved in those teams. Yes, everybody has strengths that they can share. And we really believe that um, serving is a way that you can demonstrate your love for Jesus and be part of the community. Um, so we're asking everyone to take stock of their skills and passions and consider what would be a good fit for you and ask the Lord, how could you serve? Yeah, a really good way. I mean, there's so many different ways that, to live that out. And one of the ways is here at church. It's not limited to just doing church work. There's so much stuff outside of it. But if you even feel unsure of like, how can I live out my faith and in a practical way, we're also inviting all of you. We've posted up a link for us. It's called a spiritual gift survey. It's kind of like an aptitude test that's specifically focusing on ways God has kind of strengthened you into the mission of the church. And uh, you can do that on our website, cedarvalley.ca slash serve. Fill out that form if, if you're just kind of trying to find a way to go. And we would love to get in touch with you, have somebody from our leadership team just reach out and kind of discern through that with you where you could live that out, where you might be a really good fit. I also think too, just along those lines, is like I think sometimes people get scared off like, oh, I'm too old or I don't have enough experience or I don't think I'd be good at that. God has gifted all of us. Mm -hmm. So we're a body and working together. Like people totally. don't realize how much they have to offer. Totally, yeah. absolutely, totally. And you know what, let's uh, let's just start this morning off with a time of prayer too and bless the service and all that stuff going on. So join me in that. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for this day, God, that uh, bit of cooler weather, some rain, God, we've had a bit of a drought down here, uh, but that hasn't really stopped their huge, crazy wildfire season going on here in BC. And we're seeing the effects of that, God, last week, the smoke was crazy. We're seeing people displaced and already settling in, in different centers here in the mainland because uh, homes and farms and small towns are, are being burned right now, God. So we pray for rain. That's, that's the ask. It feels very Old Testament right now, but God, but we're praying for rain and we're praying for uh, protection for people who are being affected by these wildfires. Uh, God, 
globally there is conflict happening it's all around the rise the thing that's on our news feeds right now is afghanistan and uh terrorism and religious conflicts and really god just massive bouts of evil happening everywhere <laughs> pray for miraculous intervention here god that you put an end to it whether you whoever you're using whoever you're sending god whatever that takes but that these actions of door-to-door manhunts happening god the just government takeovers is tragic and there's friends and family and people just here in canada who are seeing friends and family in afghanistan and in other affected areas feel helpless so god we need to rely on you for help and we need to see you at action helping and providing help for those who don't have the strength to stand up and defend for themselves so god be intervening there for the health adverse effects that have been happening to people in our congregation here god i just pray that you're with the family as they go through different stuff like that god we specifically think of brady who has been battling some health stuff out in langley and has suffered a minor heart attack god please be there with him provide people with the time and ability go and visit with him and see him and just talk to people who are in the hospital we have many other members here too god who just need the comfort and that often happens through the church god through us you empower us to share your love and be your active relationship here on earth but god you also provide a comfort that uh goes well beyond what we see physically in immediate here god you are a spiritual healer you are a gifted uh physician that does miraculous things so god we just ask you for that here we just pray that you bless the service god and for the offering that's been given that you just multiply and do amazing things here in our city i pray all these things in your name amen amen thanks grant all right we're going to get the service started here we're going to have a time of worship it's a pre-recorded uh, worship time so please enjoy it the lyrics will be up on the screen and participate in any way you feel led. After that, we have a special lesson just for the kids with Amanda. <laughs> got some, uh, some magic tricks, some object lessons, and we've got your kids helping you out with it. Yes. It's gonna be super fun. And each week, we also try to send out some materials to help you engage with your kids in conversations about faith at home. And uh, you can make sure you get in those things by emailing Pastor Doug, that's douglas at cedarvalley.ca, and we'll get that stuff out to you. Sounds good. All right, and after that, uh, we've got our message in our summer series on evangelism and sharing the gospel. Click mm. that share button with yep. Pastor Doug, um, and he's going to bring us the message on that. Totally. And before we get into all of that, if you're watching live or if you're here on campus too, we're just going to have a little icebreaker question. So last week, uh, Pastor Rob challenged all of us. We challenged everyone to practice speaking in front of a mirror, to actually practice kind of some of your testimony, some of your gospel message, how you articulate who Jesus is to you and how he impacts you. And so part of that is speaking in front of a mirror. I kind of helped re-articulate this week that like, Sometimes public speaking is hard. How you kind of come across visually, you got to kind of see how it goes. But that's not, uh, don't feel ashamed if you're like, I didn't like doing that if you tried it. Or you just haven't even wanted to get up and talk to a mirror. Because I found a stat today too that uh, the number one thing people are scared of is losing a loved one. The number two thing people are scared of is public speaking. And then the third one after that is actually their own fear of death. So actually people are more scared of public speaking than dying themselves. That is really crazy it's, you believe it's it and i really liked what you said too in your little video just it doesn't have to be like a big sermon just like try saying two sentences totally about how you feel about your relationship with god and what he's done for you absolutely yeah and the public speaking thing is a big thing to get over right so um here's the question i'm gonna ask you do you like public speaking or are you one of those that's like you're more scared than dying from public speaking and if 
not, what are tips and tricks that you use? Share it with each other, spread some of the knowledge here or comment online. What are the tips and tricks you use to get better at it? It literally just takes some practice. Maybe it takes speak in front of a mirror or in front of a camera like this morning too. Yes, I can tell from personal experience, getting up has not been like super fun for me, but over the year, it's gotten a lot easier. So I think repetition and practice definitely goes a long way. Totally, absolutely. Other than that, we're in for a great morning. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks guys.
Hi kids, it's Amanda here. Today I have some really special helpers with me. I'm Jack. I'm Stella. I'm Awesome, quote Williams. Okay, hi Awesome William. All right, today we are going to talk a little bit about uh, when we feel worried about things and sometimes get scared, uh, some things that we can, we can think about. So our quote for today is, God is there when it's more than we can bear. Can you guys say that? God, God is, is there, there when it's more, more than we can bear. bear. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so sometimes things in our world can be really scary. Um, around this time of year, I know kids sometimes get nervous about going back to school. I know my kids sometimes will tell me they're a little bit nervous. They have new teacher, new friends. Stella, oh, Stella's starting um, kindergarten this year, so she's going to yes. a brand new school. Yes, it was me. Um, and then there's also things happening in our world like COVID. Sometimes people are really scared of COVID and all the things that we have to do for COVID. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard um, the news playing lately, but there's some terrible things happening in Afghanistan and kids and families are really suffering there. But you know what? When things like that happen, it shouldn't be a surprise to us because in John chapter 16, Jesus told us that in this world, we will have um, troubles. It says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What do you guys think overcome the world means? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I don't know. What do you think Jesus did to overcome the world? Um, he showed his love. He showed his love, but what, did, what, what did he do? at the end of his life. Um, he died in the cross. That's all right, that's true. That's what for he did sin. for our sins. So when he died on the cross for our sins, he essentially overcame the world because when he died on the cross, he conquered sin and death. He defeated Satan. So right now Satan is out there in the world trying to cause as much trouble as he can because he knows that his time is coming to an end. But Jesus has overcome the world and we can trust in that. We don't have to worry because he has completed that battle. It's just a matter of time until Satan is punished and put, put away forever. And Jesus also said that when he leaves, like after he rose from the dead, he told his disciples, I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit here to be with you, to comfort you and to help you when you need it. So that's amazing. So we know that when we're experiencing worries or troubles, that we are not alone. Jesus said, I've given you the Holy Spirit. And if you trust Jesus as your savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So you're never alone. And, and can you touch no, don't touch that. Okay. All right. God has also promised to never leave us alone when we suffer. There's a couple of really amazing verses in the Psalms that I love. Um, one of them is from Psalms 34, and it says that God is close to the brokenhearted. So when we're feeling scared, that's when God is the closest to us. And then in Psalms 94, it said, when my foot is slipping, your consolation cheered my soul. And God is really close to us when we're suffering. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, God said that I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we don't have to ever worry about being alone because God is there with us whenever we need him. And even when we don't think about him, he is there. 
All right, so today, this is where my helpers come in. I have a little object lesson to help us learn that God helps us during difficult times. So Do I'm gonna give everybody a balloon. Okay, that's good, Jack. Let's tie a knot in it. I'll try not to let it go this time. All right. Now so big these balloons, they kind of represent us. This is kind of like how our lives are. And I'm gonna give everybody one of these guys. <laughs> and these skewers represent hard things that happen to us, really sad things that happen in the world, things that make us worried or afraid. So that's what these skewers represent. All right, there we go. So don't do anything until I tell you. Okay, so imagine you're going through a tough time. What happens with this is you? What happens when you go through tough times? You guys wanna check and see what happens? Wow. Oh man, that did not go so well. How's your balloon doing? It's wet. It's wet. It's not doing so great. William, could you pass me the, the thing? All right, so here is our lives and the skewer is the trouble, but the difference is the oil is representing God's presence in our lives. And what happens when God is all around us when troubles come our way? I just want to stay down for a second, okay? Oh my goodness, see what happens when troubles come our way? There's no trick here. See, when God is all around us, we don't have to worry when troubles come into our lives because we'll be okay when God is with us. All right, so God is with you when you're feeling nervous and when you're feeling scared, don't when there seems to be a lot of trouble in your life. We don't have to worry because when God is with us, um, we're never alone, right guys? Yeah. And then one thing we can do, I know we, Jack and I do this lots, when we're feeling scared, we pray, and what does that do? Yeah, it helps me too. It reminds us that God is with us and we can comfort ourselves with that. All right, so let's say it together. God is there when it's more than we can bear. Nice, so you guys, when you're feeling scared or nervous in the next little while, just remember, when God is with you and troubles are in your life, you don't have to worry. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. But how can people call on him for help if they have not believed? And how can they believe in one, in one they've not yet heard of? And how can they hear? How can they hear? And how can they hear the message of life? The message of life. And how can they hear the message of life? If there's no one there to proclaim it. Hey, Cedar Valley. Can you imagine the sound of a solid boot slamming into your front door? You turn and see the wooden frame explode into pieces and the door bursts open, almost tearing it from the hinges. You're momentarily paralyzed by the shock of the violent intrusion, which makes you easy prey. Strong arms grab you and drag you, kicking and screaming into the night. Your destination? A jail in Jerusalem. But you live in Damascus, over 250 kilometers away. That's a long walk in chains. 
beaten for sure, arrested and thrown in jail probably, executed, maybe. Your crime? You have been identified as a follower of the way. A new religion based on the belief in Jesus. So who was this person that was organizing these mass attacks against believers in Jesus? Who's responsible? Well, his name is Saul. And the only reason he doesn't like you is because you believe in Jesus. And we meet Saul for the very first time in Acts chapter 8. And he is cheering on the sidelines at the mob murder of Stephen. Of Stephen. And we read in Acts chapter 8 verse 1 that Saul approved of their killing of him. See, Stephen was a believer. He was a bold follower of Jesus. And he had just preached a fiery sermon condemning those whose anger and animosity led to the death of Jesus. See, Saul hated this new Christian church. And he supported the killing of Stephen by holding the coats of the stone throwers so they could get a better aim. But he didn't stay on the sidelines for long. For in Acts chapter 9 verse 1 we read, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing threats of murder, eager to kill the followers of Jesus. See, and right then, this great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Many of the Christians scattered throughout the surrounding countries looking for safety. And Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house, breaking in and dragging off men and women and throwing them in prison. And yet, attacking the Christians, the believers in Jerusalem, wasn't enough. He knew there were more out there. And he wanted to pursue them as well. So, Paul forms a posse and headed south for Damascus, intent on finding any believers in Jesus and taking them bound in chains to the Jerusalem jail. But, on his way to Damascus, a dramatic incident changes his life. Saul has an encounter with Jesus. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 3 and following, we discover that as he's on the road to Damascus, breathing threats of murder, suddenly there's this bright light from heaven that blinds his eyes and causes him to fall on his face to the ground. And he hears a voice. And the voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's the voice of Jesus himself. And Saul doesn't know this, and, and he asks them, who are you? What, what do you want? 
And he says, I am the Lord. And Saul is on the ground, blinded, and, and Jesus continues to speak that he is about to change his life. No longer will he be attacking the church, but he will be leading the charge in spreading the good news of the gospel. But first, he needs to be picked up off the ground, and he's still blind, and he's taken to a believer's house. Now, initially, the believers in Jesus are terrified because Saul has quite a reputation at this point. He is well known in the city and the surrounding areas for attacking and arresting, dragging people to prison because they believe in Jesus. And so they're hesitant, they're scared. Yet they're encouraged again by the voice of Jesus that this is all at the hand of God. So they reach out to Saul and they bring them into their home and they care for him. And three days later, Saul's eyesight is restored. And then after that encounter, as Acts chapter 9 continues, we discover that Saul is going about with the other believers, boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus and telling everybody, about the love of God and the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, to forgive us for our wrongdoing and to restore that relationship, be reunited with a loving, caring, heavenly Father who gives us purpose and a new life. Saul's life is so dramatically changed that right about this time, he stops using the name Saul, which is his Hebrew name. He now calls himself Paul, his Roman name. See, Paul, who used to be Saul, knew and was culturally sensitive for changing his name from the Hebrew Saul to the more current popular amongst the people the Roman name Paul, it removed a barrier when speaking to those who were not of Jewish background. And, and, and even right at the very beginning of the formation of the church, we discover those who are sensitive to the community that they live in and looking for ways to break down barriers that people may have to hearing about God. And now, Acts chapter 26, it's 45 years later. Paul has been traveling to over 50 cities in numerous countries, telling his story over and over again. And this time, he's standing before King Agrippa. And he tells the story one more time. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 26. And we'll read through portions of it here. And you know, his story, who he was, how he met Jesus, and what happened to him afterwards, it takes 
about three minutes for him to tell. Acts 26, verse 2. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today to make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. And especially so because you are well acquainted with the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. See, Paul sets up his story that he's about to tell. And, and, and he speaks in words and in language that his audience will understand. And he, and he does so respectfully. And his before in his story, verse 4. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme, to, to speak against their faith. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. That's his before. That's who he was. How did the change come about? Verse 12. On one of those journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard the voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. An expression is saying that what you're up against here, you're not going to win. So stop it. And then Paul says, Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see in me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. 
That was his conversion. That's how it happened. That was his meeting with Jesus. And then he talks about what happened after. Verse 19. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. And Paul continues to go on describing how how God helped him in incredible, difficult circumstances. And as he's speaking, Festus, one of the officials who's sitting listening to his story, says, Paul, you're crazy. Now, not everybody will believe your story right away. But that's really not for us to worry about. Our concern is that we tell our story. And then Paul continues on, and then King Agrippa himself asks Paul, he goes, are you really trying to persuade me to become a believer in Jesus, to become a Christian, he says, in such a short time as as these few minutes that you're talking to us? And Paul says, whether it be a short time or a long time, I would that you and everyone else who hears this story, not so much about me, but about what God has done with me, my desires that all will believe in the wonderful name of Jesus. That's Paul's story. A pretty incredible one. What's yours? What's your story? See, yours may not be as dramatic as Paul or or someone else as you've heard, but it's still God's story in your life. See, your story is his story because it's really about what God has done in your life. And, well, why, why even tell your story? Because you know what? Everyone, young and old, rich or poor, educated or not, likes a good story. You read a book, story. You go to a movie, story. You're visiting with your friends, stories. You're listening to Jesus as recorded in the Gospels. He's telling stories almost nonstop. See, the Bible is really one great big story of God's love for us. And really, it's all about Jesus. See, it's possible to think, oh, well, I thought I was good, even righteous, maybe. But that's not good enough. Only through the sacrifice of Jesus can we be in relationship with the Holy God. Or we may think that, I, I, I've been so far away from God, that how could he ever accept me? Really? 
you've been further than Paul. See, that's why your story is so important. Because Christianity is not just another religion, another set of rules. It's a relationship with a loving God. And I think somebody's trumpeting that on the street as we go by. It's a relationship with the loving God who has made a way for us to be in that relationship with him through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. See, your story, whatever it is, and however it's unfolded, is a story about relationship. So every time you tell your story about how you became a follower of Jesus, you give honor and glory to God. See, your story, no matter how spectacular or ordinary that you think it is, it's a story about God's character. See, it's your eyewitness account of how God rescued you from death through Christ and changed your life as a result. See, when you share your story, when we share our story with others, we help them get to know what God is like and also what he can do. See, when we tell our stories, we, we tell others the gospel of Jesus. We are speaking the very words of life. There is power beyond yourself. And what God has done in you demonstrates the power of the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The power of Jesus to change a life. So, we need to be ready. Where we are, we're, we're at a great grocery store in line. I'm sitting with a family member, standing in front of a group of people. We're exhorted to be, always be ready. And Pastor Rob talked about that last week in 1 Peter 3.15. Always be ready to explain your hope in Jesus with gentleness and respect. See, we share because we care. Do they know that we care? Is there evidence that we care? See, one of the dangers of being a good living Christian is that we may assume, well, people will just know by the way I live, by my lifestyle. But they also need to hear us tell them our story, which is really the story of God. See, and part of that story is that I can't change myself. I'm changed through the work of Jesus. So, Practically speaking, let's take a few minutes here. So how do we tell our story? 
Well, really, your story is three simple parts. You can look at it this way. It can be the mess that your life was before, the turning point, which is Jesus, and then the success that comes with Jesus living through us. Or simply, your life before, how you met Jesus, and your life after. Who you were, what happened, who you are now. So how do we put that together? Piece by piece. It's, it's really three, three things, but you can open with what your life was, your relationships, your reputation. What was it that God used to bring you to him? And then really we're just telling people, this was my life before Christ. Paint a picture of what your life was like. Um, don't, dread, don't dwell too much on the sins or the struggles, the wrongdoings. Don't, we don't need to brag about that. Um, but share just enough so people get a sense for who you were before your encounter with Jesus. Then, how you came to Jesus. Uh, give some details about how and why you were introduced to Christ. Um, and communicate in such a way that um, you're just talking using your normal language. Um, so maybe even if anybody overhears you, um, they would be interested in that conversation and it wouldn't confuse them. Um, Years ago, a, a friend of mine, of mine here from the church, we would meet regularly uh, downtown for breakfast. And we would talk about our, our day, our life, and we would always get into some scriptures and we'd encourage one another. And then after meeting a couple of times, he, he pointed out to me, he goes, have you ever noticed that the people in the booths around us um, are, are while they're eating, they're, they're, they're listening, they have their heads turned just, just slightly to, uh, to hear our conversation? But how you came to Christ, that your discovery of your need for Jesus, for his forgiveness, of his sacrifice, and that he restored a relationship with a loving God. And then your life after coming to Christ. Share some of the changes in your life as they relate to you and what Jesus has done. The changes in your character, your attitude, perspective. Now, also, be realistic. We still struggle as Christians. Our life is far from perfect. But what is different about your life now? Here's a few points to consider as you're preparing, thinking about, well, how do I tell my story? First, pray before you write out and share your story. It's always a good time to pray. You know, write it out the way you speak, um, very casually, um, very informally. Careful not to be overly negative or positive in your story. Just be honest. Um, and there's no need to, to criticize specifically even another church or something like that in your, bas in your past. Um, Think about your listeners. Um, avoid 
or really religious words and terms. Speak in terms, in words that, that they would understand and, and would invite them in. Keep it short. Aim to tell your story between three to five minutes. Um, what we read from Paul, his story to King Agrippa, that was just around three minutes. And practice telling your story until it becomes natural. See, Jesus is the difference maker. When you speak, reflect with that reality, with some passion and emotion. And be confident in what you say. See, if we're talking about Jesus, well, we should know something about Jesus. Now, don't worry, you don't need to know everything. You don't need to know all the scripture. Nobody likes to know it all anyways. But we should be learning and growing. It's an ongoing process. But see, that's the part of your story, that you're still continuing to grow. And you know what? It's okay to say, hey, I'll get back to you on that. That's a really good question. So, just tell your story. For someone will be eternally grateful that you did. And, and we don't know who that will be, but it only takes just a small seed of faith. We cannot force someone to hear a message they're not ready to receive. But we must never underestimate the power of planting a seed. And maybe your story is just planting a seed in somebody's life. And, and look at the amazing thing that it can do to a heart that's been hardened towards God. The beauty emerges. God, we thank you this morning for your incredible work through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for the story of Paul. Wow. <laughs> What a dramatic change. But God, even if we think that our story isn't nearly as, as incredible, really it is. Because any heart that has been turned away from focus on itself to focus on you, God, that, that's a dramatic story. God, whatever our story is, and we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to restore that relationship with you, our, our, our loving, caring God, our creator. God, continue with us as we journey and our story continues. And God, give us boldness and courage to tell our story, um, whatever that may be. Continue with us, God. Um, thank you um, for the story that you have placed within us. Um, for your glory and for your honor. Amen. Stick around just for a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, telling our stories. Great. <laughs> well, hey, Cedar Valley. We are here with Carl and his beautiful farm, and we're talking about telling our story 
And so, Carl, I'm going to ask you your story, um, who you were, um, your introduction to Jesus, and who you're becoming, who you are now. What's your story? Well, it's a bit of a conspiracy story, which might sound a little strange, but I was not uh, brought up in a uh, Christian home or, shall I say, a home where Christ was taught in regards to having a relationship with him and a faith in him. Uh, the name of Jesus was known in my house. My, my mom was a uh, Roman Catholic and uh, practicing in the church, but my dad uh, didn't want anything to do with that. And so there was tension in the house in regards to the conversation of Jesus. So that's how I grew up as a kid. And uh, there was a desire on the part of my mom that we know about Jesus and we come to faith in Jesus. But there was a part with my dad that says, what are you wrapping your mind around that for? There's, there's other things in life. So there was tension. When I was uh, 17, 18 years of age, I was hanging around with um, members of the youth group from Cedar Valley Church. And there's uh, um, one in particular, a good friend of mine still today, Art Neufeld. There was Alf Clark. And of course, there's my wife, Denise, and uh, a number of the other uh, uh, youth of that day. And I started by saying a bit of a conspiracy story. Uh, far be it from me to know at the time that my friends were praying for me and desirous of the fact that I would come to faith in Jesus. And they never presented it as a um, take it or leave it type situation. They presented it basically in the way they lived their lives. You could see the difference in them at school from those of other students and of myself. And thankfully uh, from their prayers and also uh, prayers of others, uh, when I was 18 at Camp Squia, God used the very thing that I used to deny him to convince me that he was real, and that was creation itself. I was uh, scientifically minded, and of course because of that I thought I knew you know, what life was all about. I love studying uh, textbooks on uh, on evolution and science and thought I had all the answers and one day God just said no. Carl, take a look around. What you see before you is not by chance. I created this and I created it not only for you but for everyone that resides on the face of the earth. This is a gift to you. And it was like the changing of a light switch for me. It was instantaneous and I came to Christ in faith and then from there, I, I uh, proceeded again with members of the youth group, pastors at Cedar Valley, to become grounded and uh, discipled, and started learning what it really meant to be a Christian and how to how to live my life in faith. And that was all very good, and I enjoyed it. And then Denise and I got married, and two years after that, we had our first son. And of course that small beginning had to have a legacy. And so then it was very, very important to then begin to share my faith with my children and then with, with the church as well. So as the church began to call, I began to answer that call. And I started uh, exercising my faith in the church. 
starting with maybe ushering and moving into uh, other committees and, and sharing. Um, but that journey is still ongoing. Uh, I've, I've spent decades in service at the church and it's been enjoyable. But the greatest part of the journey is meeting the people and participating in relationship with people and enjoy, enjoying that opportunity with them. And it continues to this day. Uh, as you said earlier, Doug, the, the journey isn't remotely close to being over. Uh, it, it continues each and every morning that you wake up and you continue on. And God calls us uh, every day of our lives to continue to learn more about Him and to uh, take that which we learn about Him and share it with others. And so that's, that's uh, really uh, my story in a nutshell. Uh, because it's not over, you do continue to share your story and keep living that. Well, thanks, Carl. Um, great to hear your story. And so I'm going to ask you, Cedar Valley, um, what's your story? and who are you going to tell it to? All right, we'll see you soon. <laughs>